Hello, everyone, and welcome to a late night after dark edition of Lockdown Guardians. There was no baseball today, yet again, but we still have a mailbag to get to. There's some minor leagues talk, some rankings came out, and we will also dive into what the series and the doubleheader is going to look like tomorrow, all on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. <laughs> Are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, I first want to start off by saying I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians. Also, want to apologize. Apparently, I didn't want to bring my mic super close. Uh, but uh, making today's episode of Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. Uh, I also want to take a moment and thank everyone. We didn't break the top 10 podcasts for baseball on the network. We did break the top 10 YouTube baseball shows on network. So we made one top 10. So I want to take a moment and thank the Lockdown Guardians fans team, all of that uh, for helping out. Uh, hey, we made a top 10, right? That's what counts. Let's make them both next time. So keep doing what you do to help this show grow. Uh, first, I'm also going to apologize. Again, I'm recording this past, uh, about 1230 my time. Sick kiddo situation. want to make sure I get it in so it's out for the morning. So uh, pronunciation is going to be worse than normal. Uh, some of the, uh, just my mental faculties aren't going to be all there. So I'm just going to be upfront and honest with everyone. That being said, uh, let's get into the game. So I know there's always frustration when we have a bunch of games canceled, but I can say, like, they really tried to get this one in. Like, we got, like, a warning email, like, oh, we don't know, we're going to hope and see, and it didn't come together. So what's going to happen is tomorrow at 2.10 p.m., uh, Bieber versus Keiko will be the first game of the doubleheader. And then, you know, to be determined, essentially after the game is done and what, they have to wait an hour, uh, we'll then get Tristan McKenzie versus Jimmy Lambert. Uh, the sh- Guardian should be favored in game one. Game two, I believe, is kind of more of a toss-up. And then that leads us to um, Thursday's game, please act for Cease, which is a uh, big advantage, White Sox, in that one. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do. We don't know yet who's going to get called up. Is that uh, 29th player? <laughs> it took me a second to think about it. I'm like, uh, it's what, the 27th player in a doubleheader? You know, I'm so used to a 25-man roster, but now we're at a 26 Currently, we're at a 28, so a 29th player can get called up for this one. I'll be curious to see uh, who it is. Uh, if you're looking for the preview of the series, I did that um, for yesterday's show. Uh, my co-host wants to come in and say hello. Uh, you want to talk about the... Are you maybe more of a White Sox fan, just with your black and white coloring? Uh, again, if you are an audio listener, I apologize. If you do want uh, Cats and Babies, subscribe on the YouTube so I, with the game being canceled, I knew that uh, it was the perfect time to do the mailbag that we've talked about for a long time, and let's just start going. I'm going to go back, and it's mostly today's. I'm going to start at the bottom, kind of work my way through. I did see, you know, a quick shout-out for the show this week. I got hit by the Locked On uh, Podcast Network telling me that I've now done this for three years. I just, it's hard to believe, but having said that, let's go in. I want to make sure that I get uh, start with question number one here uh, from Aaron uh, Bachman, who is the one I always tease about Virginia. Is Trevor Steffen the next big bullpen arm, or are these early results just a flash in the pan? 
he's looked really good. Um, he's now had a full, well, not a full camp. Uh, he had more of a camp last year, but he's had a full season with the Guardians. Talked about the fact that the Yankees' pitcher development actually hasn't been that great. Uh, Luis Severino has been hurt a lot, but, I mean, he was successful. But you think about, like, how high Debbie Garcia was rated relative to, like, I saw talk that he, you know, was someone to consider taking off their 40-man. You go through and you look at their starting pitching. It's almost entirely outside the organization. I mean, they added Matt Blake, which is a, a brilliant hire from the Guardians for a reason. So when you look at that bad pitcher development, you're like, that's why the Guardians uh, targeted someone like Trevor. And I think he could be. I think he could be a seventh and eighth inning guy. We'll have to wait and see. It's so early, it's hard to judge from it. But, I mean, full disclosure, (laughs) I give him a borderline first-round grade coming out of Arkansas. I've been on the Trevor Steffen train since... Uh, since his days at Arkansas. So, it, you know, to, for me to say that, I just I have to be honest. Uh, from Futarius, uh, let me know how badly I butchered that. Reading between the lines, did the Jose signing happen only because the front office failed to make additions, leaving 2022 20, money on hand? I don't think so. Uh, I think it was shifted that way because they did have that extra money on hand. There was the extra wiggle room. I think the Jose signing happened only because Jose wanted to stay and took a massive discount. They would have found a way to finagle the money um, if he wanted to stay for that contract. He would have stayed no matter what. I don't think, um, reading between the lines, you know, in this case, they would have figured out a way. The money is not big on that contract by any means. They would have found a way to make it work. So I I don't think that's so. Um, Also from uh, Futorius, couldn't the MLB schedule around home games and expose Northern Stadiums early season if they wanted to, so why doesn't it? Uh, do teams like Cleveland really want home stands early in the season based on what I heard about the lockout? Owners hate these early April games. Uh, yeah, the owners don't like April games because attendance is lower. Like, you know, and this is something I heard when I was working around the minors, uh, and it's even worse for them, but that's why a lot of minor league stadiums will have like a Thursday 10 a.m. game just because it's like, okay. Uh, the schools can come. Like when I was teaching in Ritman, name drop where I used to work, uh, the fifth graders would go to a baseball game. That was their class field trip. Uh, and it works out for everyone. There's like things to do at the game, fun stuff to check out. Uh, and you know, like, was it the Akron zoo was there? So I have a bunch of (laughs) pictures of the kids holding like snakes and turtles and stuff. Uh, so that, that's like a, a, a draw point for some of these teams. But yeah, the attendance is lower in the early going. I don't think they hate it as much. Because here's the thing at the end of the day, like TV money matters more than gate money. And that is why uh, major league owners are never going to be cool with the idea of less games. They're always going to want more games. So, uh, you know, I don't think they, you know, they're not ideal. There's more, there's more drama in terms of bad weather. I mean, some stadiums, was it the Reds, always open at home. There are these things like that that uh, that exist even for uh, northern-based teams. I, I don't know how you could – we can't make it like college baseball, right, where, um, you know, like Kent State and any Ohio-based program doesn't play a home game until the end of March uh, because the baseball season starts in February. So they do a month and a half on the road to start the year because it's even worse if uh, baseball games start in February. Uh, that being said, uh, you couldn't do a month and a half on the road. It would just be too big of a hassle. I don't think there's any good way around it. I think if there was, they'd figure it out. The good way would be, I guess, enclosed stadiums. Uh, and then he followed that up with, or maybe it's the reverse, and MLB doesn't want to confer an advantage on northern teams by giving them home games in warm weather. 
I mean, both teams have to deal with it. So I don't, I just think it's a matter of there's a lot of games to get in and they don't have uh, really a better option. From uh, M Horse 12, do you think Josh Naylor will be a productive player for the Guardians? I hope so. You know, there's been good data and not so good data for him over the years. Um, I'm not all in on him by any means, but I would like to see him play so I could figure out, you know, right or wrong. When they, when they, when I say when they, one more time there, when that trade happened, I was like, well, I think he could be a league average outfielder. So if you are content with like a two war player, which frankly, compared to what they've had in the outfield for a while, you should be. Uh, that was kind of my view on him. Uh, Bill Abel at Bo Freak 8. I, Bill, uh, longtime commenter. I feel like I hear from you a lot. With uh, many 40-man decisions needing to be made, will this be the year to make those decisions? Like Rosario's bat, but he has no true position. He's blocking Arias. Naylor is bad defensively, and his bat has not been impressive. Would you rather see the young guys called up? I would. Um, I mean, I'd still like to see it. We talked about it on yesterday's show. I'd like to see Naylor just in the outfield. I'd like to see Owen Miller. I'd like to see them get full opportunities. Like these were top 10 to 15 prospects, just like, you know, Daniel Johnson, who never really got a look for whatever reason, he completely fell off for the guardians. I would like to see what they have. Uh, Now they get to see these players so much more than we ever do. So they have a much better understanding. Uh, But at the same time, I mean, for that much better understanding, how often did we, how many opportunities did a Bowers get? Uh, how many opportunities does a Bobby Bradley get? Uh, Bradley Zimmer. There, there's some players that it doesn't seem like having the extra knowledge has really benefited. But, you know, I, the 40 man's still a mess. It's, it's going to be an even bigger mess. It's not like this is a team loaded with free agents to be. Uh, so they need to figure something out. They need to give some players opportunities. Uh, we'll get into more with uh, Gabriel in later on in this mailbag. Uh, Mark Leffel. With so many solid college arms drafted the last few years and so few rotation spots coming available, which guys would be best suited to make an impact in the bullpen? Uh, you know, Cody Morris, I just lean into because of health. Like, I am the driver of that bandwagon. I have been talking about Cody Morris since he was in, like, low A, and I'm like, this is a player who pops the quiet the problem is just health and the health has never been there he has the mix to be a dominant late innings type um so you you definitely think about shifting him there just because you worry about health carlos vargas now that he's already on the like uh disabled list and he's accruing service time which is something they avoid he's got the you know fastball that hits 101 and a slider that flashes plus and he's missed a year of development like he is a player you transition over there uh, into that role, you, I don't think you consider Hankins yet. You still see if the stuff can play up because stuff-wise, he's probably like number two in the system behind Espino uh, and or three behind Espino and Williams. Uh, Lenny Torres, I still think, is a future reliever. Josh Wolf, who was in the other player in the uh, the Lindor trade, like those are players that I all and I've been very honest. You know, I, I thought Eli Morgan would play it up in the pen. I thought that'd be his. Xavion Curry, I've talked about. Though the whole thing is like with Curry, it's kind of at your own risk, right? Like he fits their uh, style to a T in terms of the secondary stuff, the command, the control, um, gaining that velocity bump, but also being undersized and some of the other concerns that go there. But I think Curry makes a lot of sense. Like those are the ones that come up for me, first of all. Uh, at John Turner. 
JT eighteen seventy eight twenty seven. What's going on with Nolan Jones when he gets healthy? Will they give him a chance this year, or is this another year in the minors? Same for Freeman. Uh, both are hurt for Freeman. It's a continuation of that labrum surgery for Jones. Uh, you know, he had to essentially had like an ankle surgery, and then he's had um, another issue since then. I, they have to. Like, they've already burned an option year with him not getting to the big leagues last year. And there's a lot of people who still really believe in Nolan Jones. I am not the only person left. Uh, Freeman, the thing with Jones is at least he had an extended look in AAA. Freeman has only had half a year in the upper minors. I don't think Freeman necessarily, and especially with all the infielders and with Freeman being second base only, uh, and all the young players they have to try out ahead of him, I don't think Freeman gets to the big leagues this year. I think it's another year in the minors for him. Uh, and especially because, I mean, he was just added to the 40 Jones has been on the 40 man a year longer. He's the guy where it's more likely that they feel like they need to see what he can do. Um, and, and again, the thing that Jones has that really separates him from, you know, 90% of the prospects we'll talk about in the show is, you know, the raw power. Like he has the ability to hit 30, 35 home runs. There's not a lot of players in the minor leagues for the Cleveland Guardians who I can say that about. Now he hasn't always been that guy in the minors and we're hoping that you know he'll as he matures it's going to come uh but he's you know just the unfortunateness with the injury health you know the covid year uh jones's development is a little behind where i think we all expected to be at this time uh at cody keen one why does oscar gonzalez get no love one he's a pretty awful defender um his best position is dh uh, by far, and then the the approach seems impossible to be effective. Like it is an approach that we have doubted uh, along the way, uh, and by we I mean the collective, everyone who talks about prospects and uh, scouting and the like. But you know, when you're looking at what uh, he has done, he just keeps proving us wrong. He keeps performing well, even though he has no business to. Because you should just know that he's going to swing at anything even remotely near the zone and just pepper him with pitches that, uh, you know, are just outside. But at the same time, like, now I'm not comparing him to Salvador Perez, okay? I don't I, I get into this thing where it's like uh, Salvador Perez is like the same deal. Like Salvador Perez has never seen a pitch he didn't think he could hit out. Uh, and he has managed to make a career out of it. I mean, I you can go back and probably find the tweets where I was like, after his rookie year, I'm like, oh, no, he had a good rookie year, but next year everyone's going to know the book, which is throw it a foot outside and he's going to swing. It's worked for Salvi. Could it work for Oscar Gonzalez? Possibly. Uh, he's just going to keep hitting until they don't have another choice. The bigger problem for him right now is he's not on the 40-man, uh, and the 40-man is a disaster. It is There is no wiggle room on that roster right now. So until they start figuring things out, until they start letting some guys go, because eventually they're going to have to. Eventually, you know, a Carlos Vargas and a Cody Morris are going to get healthy, and they come off. That means you have to release two players right there, uh, which is something else they're considering. It's like, yeah, it's a 40-man roster. It's sitting at 42 right now. You add Oscar Gonzalez, then it's a third player getting cut. You're getting even further down the line. So I don't think he has a chance. I'll just be perfectly honest. I don't think he has any chance because of the 40-man more than anything else. We're going to take a break, come back, do more mailbag. Uh, but first, a quick m- uh, mention from our sponsors and also a bit of a me- mea culpa coming up uh, where I, I'm going to talk about Daniel Spino prospect rankings and why, what I have learned and why I could be wrong. We are introducing BlueNile.com, the original online jeweler, to, high, to high-income adults. 
primarily males. Oh, maybe this is not what I'm supposed to read. Uh, you know, BlueNow.com wants to celebrate all of life's special moments from creating a custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece at all prices. You won't find a traditional jeweler. Uh, this is fine jewelry. This is not uh, cheap stuff. This is not what you get uh, for a girl you've been just seeing, girl or guy or anyone that you're just barely seeing. This is fine jewelry. That is something they definitely want pointed out. It's uh, They have... Diamond jewelry, cocktail rings, tennis bracelets, gold layer jewelry. Jewelry is typically given as a gift. And what is coming up but Mother's Day? And... Whew. Um, I'm sorry. Again, it's late. I apologize to Blue Nile. Uh, this is not. This is the worst ad read I've ever done. Uh, I can't edit video, so it just kind of <laughs> sticks. Let me try again. So Blue Nile has been with us for, this is their second year in a row. They make really interesting jewelry. Um, A year ago, I remember looking at all the rings that they made, specifically like women making um, really interesting designs. And that's one of the things that stood out a year ago. Like I said, again, this is someone who's been with us for two years as a host. I think that they are, like I said, they make nice pieces and different types so it's not just a cookie cutter one size fits all so this mother's day give mom something she'll treasure forever with jewelry from bluenile.com and locked on sports listeners get five get 50 off 500 dollars. this podcast exclusive is only good through mother's day use the promo code locked on that's code locked on plus every order is insured ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside shop stress-free and find your forever piece go to bluenile.com today and again this is not their first time with us, and I can say having looked at their pieces a year ago, and it, it's enough that it's stuck with me after a year, that they make some really interesting, really cool-looking jewelry over at Blue Nile. So go check it out for yourself today. We'll go in the mailbag, and then I'll talk about some of the prospect stuff uh, in this episode today. Uh, again, I want to thank you all for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day wherever you get podcasts. And again, apologize for my general sloppiness as we approach one of the morning my time after dealing with a sick kid and uh, sickness myself. Uh, let's move on to at Seattle BB, Cleveland Guardians fan. What prospects should be moved to the bullpen now? I guess we kind of already talked about that, right? <laughs> you know, we know this bullpen is not good. Um, I'm concerned about Nick Sandlin because it's backed up a little bit. And that's the thing, like, you can go back a year ago and hear me being like, I don't know if Sandlin's going to get a shot this year. I don't know if he's going to be at the 40 man because coming into 2021, his offsite and everything else, he hadn't looked good at it all backed up. Then he looked great. And then he got hurt again. Like you want to talk about health issues. Like Sandlin has just been, he got overused in college. And I think we're seeing some of the effects of that now. So you have, you've got class a Stefan's look good. I mean, Ghost is probably more of a loogie, let's be honest. Everyone gets big on the velocity numbers with him, but the control has always been an issue, and the velocity is kind of straight. So, uh, you know, Mikla Jack, I'm probably Nick, butchering his name out of uh, Sam Houston, I want to say, is the top relief prospect in the system. I do think uh, Curry, uh, Vargas, Morris are like the three names to really kind of watch in that upper minors tier that can move quickly. Myers has been like inconsistent with his stuff, so that makes me a little more hesitant to look at it that way. I don't think like Pilkington quite has enough to measure up. Uh, who am I forgetting? 
I'm probably forgetting someone. Like Logan Allen, potentially. Like I've seen people, but I still think he can be a starter. Uh, Logan Allen, the younger. So there's options. Let's put it that way. Uh, at Lord Glenn Longwell, Glenn, at, or I'm sorry, it's Lord Glenn, Glenn Longwell, at Glenn Longwell 89. How hard can you, oh, sorry, that was about, it was a joke. Um, so earlier in the night, someone just tweeted out this idea that uh, with all the pitching coming on the way, uh, should the Guardians consider moving Bieber for a package that includes an elite catcher that can call a game throughout runners and hit? And I just tweeted like that I wasn't sure if that catcher even exists. So then that kind of generated its own set of comments there. Because uh, I'll stand by, I don't know if there is that. Like, And if there is, your best hope might be Adley Rushman, and it's not like Baltimore's trading the top prospect in baseball for Shane Bieber, especially Shane Bieber, whose velocity is uh, not rebounded. Again, I'm not concerned, but when you miss half a year with injury and your velocity is down, in terms of being a trade asset, teams are going to bring that up. Uh, So let's keep going through this mailbag. At uh, Craig Fink, man, Craig Fink, at MR underscore C Fink. Uh, why do you think the Indians struggled to develop power hitters? Some eventually get pop once in the majors, Lindor and Jaram, but it feels like it's been a while since there was a big bat moving through the minors that makes it. That's a good point. Uh, you know, they seem to target their approach in the minors to be contact-oriented, and that could be part of the issue, that they're more focused on contact hitters, and that seems to be part of their developmental pipeline. Uh, when you're looking through the guys who've gone through um when you look at just the power hitters like who are the guys who are supposed to be the big power hitters was zimmer and frazier and uh you know both of them were in the upper minors frazier as well before he got traded neither of them have developed um other recent guys that has just not come together so it might be a matter of approach it makes me think about uh uva university of virginia hey aaron gonna uh make fun of your alma mater again so they teach a very pull happy approach. They have guys kind of, you know, just pull the ball using their upper half. Uh, the Guardians drafted Mike Pappy from there, and this is, you know, I always pat myself on the back. That year, the Guardians drafted Mike Pappy. I made the statement that the Mikes were essentially the same hitter, Conforto and Pappy. That's right. Let that sink in. I said that Michael Conforto and Michael Pappy were essentially uh, the same dude. That they would do the same things in the big leagues. The Conforto was probably eight. The Conforto was the better athlete. But I didn't think there was much of a gap separating them. And I think I had them literally ranked one after the other. Uh, that was, again, early into my scouting. <laughs> uh, armchair scouting. Wasn't a real scout or anything like that. And what I kind of learned in time is that UVA has this pool-centric approach. And then Mike Pappy, as I got to watch him in the minors and talk with people around the Guardians, it's like he didn't know how to use his lower half. He was a big, strong dude, but all of the power came from his torso. Uh, and there was not enough of integration of the rest of his, like, physique. Uh, and that was something I heard internally. And, you know, it's the same thing with UVA and pitchers. There's a time where the Guardians drafted everyone from UVA, and none of them worked out. And we've talked about it. UVA is a top college program that takes players and puts them in cookie-cutter approaches, and then those guys flame out. And that's what's happening. Uh, so when you're looking at... You know, sometimes it's things like that um, that, you know, I don't know if the Guardians are, they're not trying to cookie cutter everyone's approach. They have different things, but I do think there's a degree of that. It is interesting that like Nolan Jones is viewed as like this plus plus power guy and he's huge, 
By the way, Nolan Jones' sister, you know, I seen the tweet about, I was, was a lot of Nolan Jones talk last night. So I like looked up Nolan Jones, be like, did something happen uh, as I was posting the podcast? And I didn't know that his sister was a starting softball player at, at Penn State. So what about the genetics in that family, huh? Uh, but yeah, it's like you'd expect him to have unlocked a little more. And Jose Ramirez and Lindor, it's like they never hit for power like they did until they got to the big league. So it is... It's a good point here by Craig Fink, and I don't know. I, I think, you know, you don't, you can't just say bad development, but I, I do wonder if part of it is how they approach development. If they're not as much focused on that, that it, it could be a view where it's like, okay, you have to make contact first. If you can't hit, you're not going to be successful for us. Once you can hit, maybe you can unlock stuff once you get to the big leagues. Um, that's just a thought. I wish I knew. I wish the, I bet the Guardians wish they knew why they've been unable to why every single time there's a power-hitting prospect, they seem to, to level out. Uh, at, did it again, Zook, at uh, Zook uh, Zinchenko. I, I enjoy the Casey Jones uh, image there. Uh, do you think Tito should leave starters in longer to get out of the jams they were in? I, as a, even a year or two ago, would have said yes. Nowadays, it's like the data is there to show that's not the case, and especially with the short spring training. No, the quick hook is the way to go. The The only thing that makes me hesitant in this situation is that the bullpen is so unsettled. Um, it'd be one thing if you had a strong bullpen where you felt like you were doing the quick hook and that you'd have someone you really felt strongly about. They're quick hooking to Shaw. You know my feelings on Shaw. Uh, the bullpen could need some help. I think it is the right strategy, but I don't think they have the right pieces to implement it, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, that is... And again, that's one of those things. Uh, learn, advance, or die when it comes to baseball. If you're going to stick to an old, outdated thought, you're going to get yourself in trouble. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come back, and talk some Daniel Espino. So I was looking at the reviews, looking about how many episodes will hit the, the uh, 700 mark uh, likely next week. But I noticed that one of my reviews talked about the fact that, uh, thanks to me, that and maybe they now curse my name because of it, a year ago they started getting built bars, and now they can't stop either. By the way, the Mint Puffs are back. That is their current one. They're still peanut butter. They've always done well there. The Yellow Chirp is like a peep. If you like peeps like me, that is a great one, and I always recommend Churro is one of my favorite. I like the Puffs. Uh, there is always something for you over at BuiltBar.com, and sometimes they have sales on the site. You know what? The Lock 15 code is often as good or better than some of the sales. So make sure to use that. And as a repeat customer, as someone who has two boxes of built bars upstairs, I always use the promo code Lock 15. So you want to use that too. And again, this is a product I've been using. You know, I just had my third year anniversary. That means I have a two year anniversary of built bar. It was my second year at Network that uh, we got that advertising deal. And they sent me the first box, and I've been hooked since then. If you give them a try, you will be hooked as well. So go to BuiltBar.com today. Remember to use that promo code LOCKED15. It is an A in my health food app and an A in my heart. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. So, like, I'm not going to go as long as I went yesterday, but at this point in time, my third commercial break is happening when they kind of want us to be done with the show. So uh, mailbag went a little long. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And, again, I apologize uh, if I am just off... uh, uh, you know, if anyone else out there is a parent uh, and you know what it's like when you got a four-year-old who's just sick, uh, I hope you all have a little more grace for me today. Um, so Daniel Espino. Fangraphs had a top prospect list. We'll get to it maybe this week, next week. Uh, it's an interesting list. I think they're the only other people, my big comment, who put uh, Lavastida in the top 10. 
And again, like for as much as we talk about trading for players, yes, Lavastida is trading for catchers. It's like Lavastida is not ready for the bigs right now. He's kind of been forced in this position because of the 40-man disaster. Uh, the the one thing you have to hesitate with, it's like how many catchers out there actually profile to be better than him? Uh, now, again, nothing is a sure thing, but I just want to put that out there. Um, what do I not agree with? George Valera ranking, but it was interesting to see how many people think that uh, he is not going to be the guy that think that there's, you know, he's not going to be able to handle um, pitches low in the zone. And the interesting thing there is like, well, I don't agree with it. I, I've said and been honest, I think Valera is the top prospect in the system. Uh, when he first debuted as a, a top prospect, when I first started doing this podcast, you can find me saying very negative things where it's like, I don't understand why everyone talks about this plus hit tool i don't see it and the statistics don't show it like he does nothing that shows a plus hit tool fast forward now three years later uh i think you know i've changed my tune i consider him the top prospect in system i've seen him do enough i've watched uh, i think he's going to be fine but the hit tool is no longer the plus tool that is now the question mark and the thing that could hold him back uh, so i thought that was interesting the other the great bit of information is kind of like a lot of people ask me, like, what's the deal with Gabriel uh, Arias's swing? I thought I had a question on that in the mailbag, and maybe I'm just tired and I skipped over it. If I did, I apologize. Um, I also apologize. I'm hitting my hands a lot here. I hope that's not causing additional sound on the mic. But uh, the fact that, you know, Arias uh, is like a, a lesser degree of Oscar Gonzalez, like he just swings a lot and swings at everything. And I've heard comments it's a grooved swing and that good pitching is going to be able to get him out and he's not going to be effective. Um, To which I say, I mean, worst case is Nico Goodrum with those tools. Now, like I said, it's a very interesting list um, just in terms of how they rank players and what they're doing in here. And we'll get into it a lot more later. 48 guys. um, Some of the players, I think you'd be surprised from last year's pitching class. Uh, Trent Denholm, who we talked about on the show yesterday, pops up a lot higher than I think anyone would expect. But let's talk Daniel Espino. And I also read an old piece in The Athletic. Uh, I don't know if I want to say friend. The best editor I ever had, Melissa Lockard, who's at The Athletic, and also like the kindest person in baseball. Uh, I was reading her prospect notes because I read everything Melissa writes because I just I love her and I recommend her to everyone because uh, she's really good at her job and she's, again, just a good human being. So you combine those two, why wouldn't you want to go check out her stuff? So even though I don't have any kind of rooting interest, I read her things. She linked to an article about Kyle Harrison and talked about uh, Dick Tidrow uh, and scouting him and how, you know, an interesting piece because I talked about it back in that draft. You can find the pieces I wrote where it's like the Giants had avoided high school prep arms like, you know, as much as they could. This is a team that was so college heavy. And their 2020 draft, which is a weird draft, they drafted a uh, prep arm in the third round and then paid him first round money gave him a huge bonus uh kyle harrison has proven them right but i thought it was interesting like you knew that they really liked this guy to be moved to get him and the espino piece and reading this piece i think what i'm learning one of those things that like it's it's unfortunately non-quantifiable and i don't know how to uh how i could ever quantify or get this information but what stood out reading about Espino uh, through Eric Log and hanging here, and he's talked about it twice, and reading that Kyle Harrison piece is, again, you know, you advance, you learn, or you die as an evaluator. You know, if you're a journalist and you're not learning new things, you're going to become a bad journalist, especially in baseball, because it comes at you fast. It changes fast. So, 
hand, weird hand stuff right now. Uh, what both of these pitchers talked about here and both of these prep arms who have, um, you know, risen through the ranks pretty well unblemished uh, and show, you know, chances to be frontline starters is flexibility. And I don't mean in thought, though that is helpful, but just body flexibility. And I've talked about for a long time um, with people who are now in front offices, and, you know, we had whole discussions on this, uh, that the idea that, like, athleticism in pitchers is so underrated because athleticism helps them stay healthy. Taking it another level, flexibility is the thing I didn't know about Espino. I mean, Longenhagen makes him sound like an Olympic gymnast. I don't know if it's quite that level, but the fact that, like, you know, Tidrow talked about that uh, specifically with Harrison, uh, with the Giants, and you see the talk here with, with Espino, and it makes sense. Like, a flex, someone whose body is flexible would be more malleable, less likely to break down, less likely to have some of the issues that can arise when you are throwing a ball that hard. And, again, I don't know. I, I guess I'll throw it to the listeners. Like, what could they do with the draft combine to test flexibility? Like, I would be curious to see. There's got to be a way to do it. But I think, like, this is something that could be an unlocked thing like this could be a market inefficiency is flexibility of athlete flexibility of of baseball players because i think that flexibility component is something we don't i mean do you really hear that mentioned all that often i feel like it doesn't get mentioned and reading these pieces i just thought about it more and more i'm like no flexibility is really important flexibility is going to define health maybe more than uh you know anything like weightlifting would do or state you know we look at oh that's a big strong kid it's like well is strength or flexibility because the flexibility is also means you're gonna have quick muscle response often uh and that can lead to things so it's like it got me thinking so just something to think about i'm like oh okay so i very likely will badly miss on daniel spino i didn't like the draft pick when it happened i had much higher rated players on board i have always been high school pitcher averse um more so as i've uh, spent more time studying the draft and then in particular, like players with his build, it's like, okay, I don't want anything to do with that. If I am wrong, what I have learned from this, what I take away, what is my growth as an evaluator, this idea of flexibility, you know, the, the, long and hanging also repeatedly, it's a great piece. Go read his piece over at Fangraphs. I'm quoting it so much here. I won't talk about the whole piece more, but, you know, it talks about him being a unicorn. And I think what makes Espino a unicorn, what makes Kyle Harrison a unicorn, and what could allow you to find more unicorns, more special talents you didn't expect, is this flexibility factor. And I think it's something you just keep in mind to consider. And I think it could be, you know, a evaluation tool that is not fully integrated that could be effectively used by more teams and organizations. I've been Jeff Ellis. We went long again today on the night that I shouldn't go long. I'm sitting here exhausted. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, either way, I've been Jeff Ellis. This is the Lockdown Guardians podcast. Remember to review, download daily. Go check out um, Lockdown Rangers. Uh, old code host Pat Ellington and Bryce sat down uh, and did a talking about black history and um, in, with baseball. And, you know, we love Pat. You know, Pat was great on the show for a long time. But we got Pat and Bryce. I love Bryce as well. Those are two of my favorite baseball people. Go check out that one. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be offended if you decide to watch them over me. Like, I really recommend that show. So go check that out. Uh, They are fantastic. And as I end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.